everyone welcome to a new episode of misalign this week caitlin could not be with us due to her laptop just not wanting to turn on at all so megan is with me this week and since she wasn't with us the last episode what we'll be doing is we'll have some discussion about record store day since that happened this past saturday and megan will give her music book picks since that's what Caitlin and I had talked about our previous episode. So this won't be a very long episode, most likely. Hopefully next time we can have all three of us back on here and get a nice conversation going about some music in television shows and that sort of thing. But Megan, what did you do this record store day? This record store day, I sat at home and had an enjoying, relaxing time just hanging out with my dogs and my dad. Um, what's really funny is the closest record stores that do record store day to me are either in Richmond or Charlottesville. And I just didn't feel like driving all the way out there. I have a weird history with music or record store day. <laughs> like last year I went to Target really early for the Lily Pulitzer, um, Target collaboration instead of doing record store day. And that was worth it to me because cheap Lily Pulitzer, come on, um, And then this year, today, I actually went to Target and bought a shirt from their new designer collection, which is Mary Miko for Target. So I'm holding up the let's go buy clothes instead of records tradition. (laughs) However, this year, totally would have loved to get my hands on the Across the Universe soundtrack. Um, I am a huge sucker for that movie. I loved it when it came out. I have the soundtrack on CD. I played it endlessly when it came out. Probably annoyed everyone. Um, but also I had my eye on Bleacher's Terrible Thrills Volume 2. I am not sure if Terrible Thrills Volume 1 was ever pressed, <laughs> and if so, I should probably try to find that because the Steel Train covers are really, really good. Like The covers of um, Bleacher songs are great, especially by all-female artists, but I have a soft spot for Steel Train over Bleachers. And I guess I have a really soft spot for um, Carly Rae Jepsen's version of what is it? Roller Coaster? No, I don't think it's Roller Coaster. <laughs> I'm recording in GarageBand this week. And what's really cool is I can actually look at what's in my iTunes as I'm recording. And I just passed Carly Rae Jepsen. Where are you? Shadow. She did Shadow, not Roller Coaster. But that was a really, really good cover on Terrible Thrills Volume 2. Yeah, and you mentioned buying clothes instead. The last record store day in November, I did go buy records, but my mom also bought me a record store day shirt, which it was like the Philly love sign, but it had a record underneath and one part of the V was like the arm and the needle. So it's a pretty cool shirt. Oh, that is really cool. Yeah. And I literally wear it all the time now. I actually think I wore it yesterday unintentionally for Record Store Day. I happened to wear it like the night before at a show for two hours or whatever. So I was like, oh, I'll just wear this again today. 
And I did drop by a store. It's actually a skate shop, but they have a vinyl section inside the store, even though the store isn't very big. And they didn't have any of the Record Store Day releases I had wanted because it was already afternoon at this point by the time I went. Because I don't know about you, but stores here opened at like 5 a.m. and 6 a.m. And that just wasn't happening because I was at a show Friday night. I wasn't out super, super late. Like, I think I was in bed maybe a little after 12 at some point between 12 and 1, you know, but I didn't want to get up and be somewhere at five in the morning. (laughs) So instead, I bought Your Favorite Weapon, the brand new album. It was 15% off and I was supporting a local store. So that's always a good thing. My mom actually kind of guilted me into buying it because she was like, are you going to just walk out and not buy anything? I was like, all right, I'll buy something, (laughs) you know. Well, if we're going to talk about moms and record store day, um, I know for the Black Friday edition, my mom went out to the record store here in town, which does the Black Friday record store day, but not actually record store day. Right. I don't know. That's weird. weird. (laughs) And she got me some Christmas presents. And so that is how the Get Up Kids... um, Whatever they press. The 10 I'm looking at it right now, but my vision. Yeah, the 10 I bought that as well. Um, I got that for Christmas. And she picked up Beirut's No, No, No for me on Blue Vinyl, but that wasn't a Record Store Day exclusive. Right. Nice. Yeah, it's funny, though. I opened up the record this morning to, you know, dump out the download card. And I went to download it and it was like, your code is invalid or expired. So I emailed a to Z media's support. I was like, um, I bought this yesterday. Like, can I please that have my so download? <laughs> Cause it's, it was the 10 year anniversary release. Yep. And so it has, you know, the extra demos and everything, which I didn't originally have. So I like went into iTunes and basically deleted the album I had already had a download for. And now I am regretting that because now I don't have the album at all. <laughs> So hopefully support will get back to me soon on that. But yeah, I knew that basically none of the stores would have Frank Turner by the time I stopped by. But I did hear that they'll probably be pressing more of that release because it did so well. And, you know, it's a relatively new album, too. It's not like where you get the Elvis and Johnny Cash stuff where they kind of just keep repressing a bunch of those artists every single record store day, you know. It was cool how much David Bowie stuff they had. And I mean, that was expected. But considering how little time they had between him passing and Record Store Day, I'm sure they overloaded the plants with lots of picture discs of David Bowie's face. Well, I think what happened with that, because I was actually just going to bring up how much David Bowie's out there. Um, I think because this is an event that gets planned months and months and months in advance, um, they probably had the okay to do this because Blackheart came out a few weeks ago. Yeah. And it probably would have been like, oh, well, he released his new album. Here's represses of his old stuff on picture. Yeah, disc. that's true. Um, it's just a weird coincidence because there's no way that they could have been able to actually expedite all of this because there would probably be a lot of really ticked off people within the major label industry, <laughs> yeah. not just the already ticked off indie labels that have to wait a year plus for stuff now, but the major players. Yeah. And I mean, as much David Bowie stuff as there was this record store day, maybe they added one or two things last minute that might've been, you know, not as big of runs, but 
we see it all the time where the major labels kind of just get pushed to the front of the line no matter what the release is which is why like you mentioned smaller indie labels are having to wait upwards of a year for some of their vinyl to be pressed but what's cool is we are seeing you know some more pressing plants pop up here and there which should hopefully help with the volume and everything that's not bad yeah all right well we are going to go ahead and move on to your book recommendations since you were not able to join caitlin and i our previous episode for this there might be some overlap because you know the three of us do have fairly similar tastes when it comes to certain genres of music and clearly all three of us love to read which is pretty funny when you think about it because i know a lot of my friends who just don't read at all like some i can't even tell you when the last time they read a book was because they just don't do those things (laughs) Yes, reading. I am so thankful that my family instilled such a love of reading in me at such a young age, or rather, I guess, that was me just picking it up at three and a half, Um, because that's clearly what most normal three and a half year olds do (laughs) these days. Um, But the reading thing, as I've gotten older, I've gotten more into music books, I've gotten more into reading more about the industry itself, and it's really great. Um, I know that in the last podcast, you guys talked about Rob Sheffield a little. Yeah. I actually picked up, um, where is it? Turnaround Bright Eyes um, back in July, which actually I still have one Rob Sheffield book to read, and that's talking to girls about Duran Duran. But I picked up Turnaround Bright Eyes, and it, I found it at a really great indie bookstore in D.C. called Kramer Books, which, as I found out later, also has really good food. Um that's besides the point. I picked up Turnaround Bright Eyes, loved the fact that it focused more on karaoke. And I actually let James borrow my copy of that. And I, I think he still has it. And I think he finished it too. <laughs> Either way. Um, have to get that back. <laughs> nothing. Well, he's in Virginia. This so is true. I'll get it eventually. Yeah. But nothing brings together people more like karaoke or even talking about karaoke itself. It's It's a great art form. And I can do it sober, willingly. It's fun. <laughs> I actually did that my senior year of college right before our finals um, at one of the karaoke places in State College where all of my friends were drunk and I was sober because I had to take a final that night because, yeah, school, fun. But besides the point, it was also great. to Like, Rob Sheffield always has really good personal narratives about his life, about everything in between, Um Love is a Mixtape is the first book that I read from him. Yeah, And that was years ago. And that I highly recommend to everyone. I know that one day I'll read Talking to Girls about Duran Duran. But I'd say read Turnaround Bright Eyes too. Um, It's just fun. And then you'll end up having these songs stuck in your head, which could be good, could be bad. It depends on how you look at it. Um, But speaking about books that actually talk about songs and meanings behind them i picked up songbook by nick hornby um at a really good book sale at a library down in charlottesville the other day and i am currently i have the book right next to me i am about to start chapter 12 which is called born for me by paul westerberg the chapters are relatively short um there's 31 songs total in it and since it came out in 2003 it's a little dated. Um, 
So there's nothing new. I think the newest song in there might be I'm Like a Bird by Nelly Furtado. <laughs> um, always like a classic. Yeah. But it's just interesting to see what Nick Hornby writes about these songs and how they tie into his life as well. Um, I'm looking forward to finishing that, which won't take me very, very long at all. <laughs> but speaking of books that I also picked up at this great book sale, in between all of the Justin Bieber books and some weird opera books, First of all, I'm surprised that there was a lot of books on Justin Bieber. <laughs> like, that's apparently a thing. Yeah. Uh, who knew? And this is coming from someone who has books about NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys and the Spice Girls. Um, that goes beyond the point. <laughs> <laughs> I also picked up Colin Malloy's 33 and a Third, where he wrote about the replacements Let It Be. I'll admit that when I saw the book, I just saw the spine and 33 and a third. I'm like, I need this in my collection. It's the first 33 and a third that I've picked up and actually read. And at 50 cents, it was the steal. Oh, nice. Um, but I really, I really liked it. He talked a lot about growing up in Montana. I think it was, yes. And how this punk album really helped shape his formulative years in like middle school. And it's not so much about the album itself, but more like a narrative about his life and how the album related to him, to his cousin or uncle, some family member like that. Right. Um, but that was just really cool. And of course, I read it with Colin Malloy's voice in my head, um, which I think made it enjoyable. But at the same time, I'm just like, I'm waiting for him to break out into song. <laughs> why, why is there no breaking out into song here? Um, I don't know. I know I'll get some more of the 33 and a third books. And I know that you and I have talked about um, some of them just in some of our iMessage conversations. Yeah. And it's funny, this was actually also the first one I read. I found it at my local library. Initially, I thought it was the Let It Be Beatles album, because I guess there's a book on that one as well. And then I yeah. I looked at it and I was like, oh, it's the Replacements album. And I read it. And like you said, I also really enjoyed it. And then I happened to buy the Ramones self-titled 33 and a third series. And I've now read Blondie's Parallel Lines one, which is one that just came out maybe a few weeks ago, if that, possibly end of March. And I have an advanced copy of the Ghetto Boys self-titled album. That should be an interesting read. I'm looking forward to that. But like you said, I definitely want to kind of read a lot, a lot more of these books because they're kind of like bite-sized. I think tops, they're like 150 to 160 pages. They're not super long books. And they're also super compact books if you get the physical copies. It's like smaller than a Kindle pretty much. And you can just take them anywhere with you and have something to read. Oh, yeah. It's probably about the size of a small moleskin notebook. Yeah. Or maybe a medium-sized moleskin because smalls are pretty small. But it's like slightly bigger it's really than pocket easy. sized. <laughs> yeah, it's really easy to digest. It's not bad at all. It's, it's good for light reading, um, which I guess we're continuing on the theme of the misaligned mom since we're talking about <laughs> libraries, we're talking about books. The youth of today don't know what they're missing. <laughs> I feel like we should just somehow insert the um, library card song from Arthur. I don't know if you've ever heard that, but that is... Probably have. <laughs> that, that's a staple of my childhood right there. 
um, having fun isn't hard when you've got a library card. <laughs> um, now that I sound like a giant dork, I'm going to move on here. Um, I have some books on here that are a little out of left field. Um, I read This Is Your Brain on Music a long, long time ago. Um, I actually found out about that from one of my brother's friends. He went to Penn State fencing camp with my brother. And in his stuff, he had this book called This Is Your Brain on Music. And I said, oh, that looks interesting. What's it about? And he said, it's pretty science-y. It's more like music and what happens with your brain itself and how your brain reacts to it, why you get earworms. And I said, I'll have to read that sometime. And a few years after that, I actually picked up a copy of it. And it sat untouched on my bookshelf when I was in college until I think maybe my senior year when I said, you know what, I'm tired of reading things for school. It's time to read for my entertainment. And so I picked up this book. I found it a little harder to read since it is very science-based and I am not a huge, huge science person. I'm more of a scientific graph reader or um, biology, not psychology, what goes on in your brain. Um, so it took me a little bit longer to read than a normal book does. But when I finished it, it was worth it. And I was I was really fascinated with what happened with it. Um, there was a lot of things in there that just blew my mind. And of course, since it's a science book, obviously, I don't remember a lot of it off the top of my head. <laughs> Go figure. But I liked it. And then I found out when I finished reading it, which was probably sometime last year, <laughs> that's how bad I was at reading it. It took me years to finish. I found out that the guy that wrote it was actually going to be speaking in Richmond. And of course, at that time, it was too late to get a ticket. So I was kind of bummed about that, but that's life. Yeah, that's one that's actually on my list as well. And I know you have Everybody Hurts on your list, too, which I'm sure you'll talk about shortly. But I basically bought that book because you suggested I buy that book. <laughs> so I've yet to read it, but yeah. it's on my list. Actually, I'm holding that book right now. <laughs> it is. It's definitely not sciencey. Like I'm literally doing a 360 here from serious science stuff to comical, entertaining fluff. Um, the book came out in 2007, and it's a really interesting, funny take on emo culture. Um, it's got pictures in it. Like, it's literally called Everybody Hurts, An Essential Guide to Emo Culture. Um, at the time, Leslie Simon was the managing editor at Alt Press when she wrote it. And um, Trevor Kelly also was a contributor for Alt Press. And some of his work has appeared in Spin, Enemy, and Harp. But this book itself... Uh, um, my copy is very well loved. It got passed around when I was in high school between all of my friends. We all kind of made fun of it. But as I've gotten older, it actually began to make a lot of sense. It, it definitely is a good look into the culture of the early to mid 2000s. I mean, if you're in the mid 20s, probably through your 30s age range, you'll understand this book, you'll actually look back on it read it, look back and say, oh, wow, this actually does make a lot of sense. This is, this is interesting. Like, I just looked to the page where it talks about Delia's and Fred Flair and H&M, surprisingly. Oh, and Merch Direct, how to buy your merch. 
It says, although buying band merch at said band show is the emo way, if you can't get Taking Back Sunday tickets, the only acceptable thing to do is to log on to MerchDirect.com and start adding to your shopping cart. <laughs> nice. Remember the time of actually buying things online? Like Interpunk and SmartPunk, all those stores? And wow. <laughs> actually, I just flipped to a different page and it's talking about need supply in Richmond. Um, which is very interesting to me because the little blurb says Dave Matthews Band may have put Richmond, Virginia on the map. I'm pretty sure that was Charlottesville instead. But uh, going on, Denim Haven Needs Supply Co. keeps the emo tapes coming back. That and the emo meetup scheduled for the third Thursday of every month. I wish that was still a thing because I would actually go to that. But it talks about um, some of the brands that need supply sold at the time, which was Free People, Levi's Premium, Diesel, G-Star, Penguin, and Puma. Needless to say, the store is still around. I enjoy shopping there, but it's not at all what this book describes. It's a lot less emo, a lot more high fashion, and a lot more minimalistic. Basically, each time I go into that store, I'm the brightest thing in there. <laughs> but it's it's not a bad store. And the illustrations are great in here. Like it talks about the hairstyles of the emo folk, like the Zelda or the side mullet or, oh God, the adult bowl cut. And it also goes into describing different types of emo people, um, like the prog emo, someone who loves the receiving end of sirens, Chiodos, Coheed and Cambria, or even the machismo emo, which features a picture of Snakes on a Plane era Gabe Saporta wearing a Snakes on a Plane shirt. Um, but of course, they don't talk about how it is Gabe being in Cobra Starship. It's more Midtown, um, Glassjaw, Senses Fail, From Autumn to Ashes. Um, it definitely has a lot of subgenres that people can identify with today, besides Scott Pictures. Who doesn't love a book with pictures? Right. <laughs> Moving on from emo culture to Carrie Brownstein's memoir, um, I got Hunger Makes Me Modern Girl for Christmas, and it was a really good read. Talked a lot about her time in um, Slater Kenny, and it talked about her life kind of after the band kind of dissolved, leading, I don't think it really led up to them getting back together, but it's an interesting take on her life. Um I thoroughly enjoyed it. If you're a Slater Kenny fan, you'll definitely enjoy it. If you're a fan of Portlandia, it'll give you some insight into her quirkiness, into some of the characters that she plays on the show. Um, if you're into music memoirs, you'll definitely like it. Um, can't really say much more about that, except for all of that. And lastly, I do have like a fiction book that I started typing, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. I think if anything talking about books about music that one in particular i would say read it over watching the movie because the movie has michael Sarah playing a typical michael Sarah character the awkward nerdy guy who just pines for every female he sees um but it's an interesting tale of how random playlists actually from nora's friends x who would be nick kind of make Nora fall in love with Nick <laughs> when she realizes who she's talking to and all that. I probably just spoiled the book, but whatever. It has an interesting soundtrack to it. Like the movie I know featured um, Band of Horses on the soundtrack and Vampire Weekend. It's more of a young adult book, but it's a really cute read. Super easy to plow through as well. But that one, 
it, it's definitely if you want to be a mature adult who wants to <laughs> look sophisticated, I wouldn't recommend reading that. But if you just want something fun to read at the beach or something, pick it up. It's it's not bad. And actually, that was another book that got passed through a lot between my high school friends and I. Um, so that copy that I have is very, very, very worn. And on top of that, there are actually pictures from the movie in it, which is pretty cool. But Nice. Well, yeah. I think you definitely had more books that have pictures in them than Caitlin and I did, but there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes we all need a little illustrations. I to be fair, I didn't mention the Rapier book because I've talked about it previously, and that has a ton of illustrations in it. So, you know, it just kind of depends. And that's a New York Times bestselling book. So pictures can be a very good thing. But I th think that wraps it up for our book conversation for now. So we're going to go ahead and move on to recommendations. I only have two things this week. The new Verdu EP is out on my label. It's called Crossing Borders. We have it up on Bandcamp for five bucks. If you are local to the Orange County area, we do have some CDs that we're selling locally. So if you would like a physical copy, feel free to hit me up either on Twitter or through the podcast email. That is fine. And my other recommendation is to watch some NBA playoffs. There are four games happening this Sunday while we're recording this. And there will be many, many more during the week. And uh, well after you listen to this episode, because it's best four out of seven for basketball. So plenty of games in the postseason as well. But Megan, what do you have to recommend this week? Oh, it's nothing like shooty hoops here. Um, <laughs> there's my sports knowledge. I'm going to focus more on TV recommendations. The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt season two is now out on Netflix, and I'm five episodes in, and I really like it so far. Plus, there's a cute song that was featured in a trailer um, or preview for one of the episodes where it's Bunny and Kitty, because everyone loves bunnies and kitties. Um, definitely check that out. Netflix shows you can't go wrong with those at all, and I'm trying to space it out and not binge watch, because <laughs> I'm a responsible adult who still reads books with pictures. Um, also, Orphan Black is back on BBC America. It is season four, and it's it's definitely an interesting season so far, just based off of the one episode I've seen. Um, if you're new to the show, you can probably just jump in watching the first episode of season four with some slight confusion. But if you're someone who kind of skipped over season three because it wasn't exactly the best... You'll still be able to understand a lot of what's going on in season four. Um, in terms of suspense, it's up there in season one levels. And also, if you haven't seen the show at all, I'm pretty sure the first three seasons are streaming on Amazon Prime. And you should go watch it because Tatiana Maslany is an amazing actress who can play a multitude of characters. And I don't understand how she doesn't have an Emmy or anything like that so far in the United States. I know she's picked up some Canadian awards, but nothing like the scale of the American media awards. Nice. Well, that wraps up this episode. Like we mentioned, hopefully we will have all three hosts back next episode. Of course, not for the interview episode coming up next, which I cannot remember for the life of me who will be on this week or next week, whatever. You guys know what I mean. <laughs> Mystery guests. That's fun. Uh, I know. I've 
record out of order sometimes so then I kind of forget who goes where and what day and all that sort of thing but our last episode with Larry Morris from Illphonics is a great interview episode he's part of a hip-hop fusion band and we kind of dug into the St. Louis music scene so that was pretty cool if you haven't listened to that please go listen to that when you get a chance and we know this episode is a lot shorter than usual and we did have some technical difficulties not just my speaking difficulties (laughs) but thank you guys for bearing with us this episode and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day